What's up, everybody? Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns. We are moving on to safeties here on a Sunday, so I'll get you some weekend content. we got to talk about safeties, put a bow on all of the positions for this audio-based preview. So hopefully if you've been tuning in over the summer here, especially in July, you've caught a piece of every single position the Browns uh, you know, have coming into camp, who's on the roster, how much money they make, what their season outlook looks like for the most part. Uh, it's been a couple of days since I've touched on these. We had a episode with TA doing a data dive and look at some of his stuff that he has gathered for his Cleve Analytics preview, which is fantastic. A reminder to check that out. The link is in the podcast description to go directly download that preview. It's so great for every team. So we did that, and then we had most recently up our Thursday show uh, replay of the Twitch, Ask the OBR. So those were the two most recent. Still battling a little bit of time management here. We've got a second born who's a week old, so I'm trying to get things out as often as I can. The nights are a little hard to predict. So we're going to try to get this one out to you guys on safeties. We did earlier in the week talk about two top names, Grant Delpit and... Uh, John Johnson. So we talked about those. If you're interested, go back and check those out. We're going to start this group with Richie, um, sorry, Richie, Ronnie Harrison, who the Browns decided to bring back. I think it caught everybody a little bit by surprise, but they brought him back. Cheap deal. The number on that deal was only a 1.205 cap number for the year, and they are, they're going to keep him. There's too much dead money there. I'd be pretty stunned if they don't keep Ronnie. Uh, obviously an uneven year last year where you saw the grades go down in terms of coverage. He had usually been as a more run supporting safety, a pretty solid coverage player with numbers 68.9, 68.5, 74.5 in 2020 to the point that there was some talk of maybe a long-term deal here. But then the numbers last year just got ugly. He allowed six touchdowns accounted for in his coverage. We saw multiple blown coverages throughout the year where it was pretty easy to peg him as the issue in that coverage scheme. He gave up 259 yards. He did have one interception, two pass breakups, but again, those are numbers that are down for the most part across his career. The tackling was still pretty strong. The missed tackles were low. The stop tackles were up at 19, career high. So you really can't complain about that. His actual tackling grade and run defense grade, which again, support my film study, I thought were pretty strong, but I think he got too much responsibility and coverage. I do think Cleveland and Joe Woods here has a a real opportunity to tweak that and, and take that away from him. He had traditionally been... In the two high safety looks, usually about the 200 number. He was up there again, but he had a lot of slot snaps. That's the biggest increase. 117 slot snaps is kind of a guy coming down, playing strong safety, playing downhill when they went one high looks. I didn't love that. I think that needs to decrease for him. He was up to 218 box snaps as a dime backer, which I think are going to be a big part of who he is. So obviously his 2020 season with Cleveland, his first exposure to Joe Woods, the things that are alarming here in terms of what went up, his box snap numbers and his free safety numbers went up, but the slot numbers gone up from 44 to 117. Now he played 584 total snaps as opposed to 389 the year before, but still that's a that's a pretty big jump. So his usage, how he's used as a third safety, will be pretty fascinating to me. So he's one definitely worth paying attention to. Uh, is he going to be a dimebacker? Are they going to get him 25, 30 snaps a game? Because when he played last year, except for games that he missed with either early injury, Minnesota, or kicked out of the Kansas City game. You're talking about 53, 45, 75, 75, 
73, 63, up near 50. I mean, he played a ton. Now, the injury late in the season, he was, was not able to finish anything beyond Week 12, but he is an important part of what they were wanting to do when he was out there. Do a lot of those snaps then go to Grant Delpit? Do they play three safeties a ton? I'm not sure. It doesn't seem like Ronnie Harrison's role will be very big, but it's certainly going to be worth monitoring. And again, he's still on the young side. He's only 25, just turned 25 in May. Or sorry, April, April 18th. So there's still upside here. The contract's very team-friendly. He's obviously playing for his NFL life in terms of what he's expecting to be. Is he going to be a multi-year player going forward? Safety stats and, and evaluation are a little bit capricious, very up and down, So and, and with some unpredictability. But Ronnie has skill. It's just I think it's about the mental thing with him, the mental processing, the mental understanding. That's where Harrison is particularly of interest to me. So it's an important year for him. Can he trigger something to keep the Browns interested in him long term? Not totally sure, but um, I'm fascinated by Ronnie Harrison. Put it that way. I just want to see how they're going to use him this year. The next guy is Richard LeCount. Obviously a guy brought in in an important draft. Fifth round pick 170 out of Georgia. He's only 23. doesn't turn 24 here until September 11th. So he's... Uh, a guy who, again, his preseason work last year is where you're going to evaluate him because he did not get a regular season uh, action really much at all. I mean, he had late season action. He had 41 snaps against Green Bay, and then he had 19 snaps against Pittsburgh. But other than that, he was forced to play a little bit of the Kansas City game, um, a little bit of Las Vegas because they were so depleted across the board. But you're looking at 53 coverage snaps, 23 run defense snaps. He had a couple tackles. He had two targets in his direction for 15 yards. He was responsible for giving up a touchdown, which you only see, but only 65 snaps, um, sorry, not only, the the majority, 65 free safety snaps, six in the slot, five in the box, uh, sort of moving him very, very little, uh, keeping him on the back half there. So the t- the preseason's what I kind of look at for him, and preseason was pretty fascinating for him. It's still sort of the same discrepancy, about 10%. So 11 box snap, 90 free safety, 10 slot. That's the thing. I think they want him to be a deep coverage guy. And for the most part, he was a pretty good deep coverage player. Had a couple interceptions in the preseason, a pass breakup, two pass breakups. I continue to think that he's a post safety. If they can maximize his skill set, he can alleviate some of what John Johnson has to do in the back half, and that gives them more opportunity to be creative with him and be more creative with Grant Delpit if LeCount can become a part of things. Now, a reminder, he went through a suspension, a team-issued suspension, and who knows what that's about. They never leaked that information. We don't know, but that tells you it's a little interesting about how much they trust him or like him or believe in him. Uh, that's something that I think this year we'll get a clear picture on. The suspension's never good in a rookie season, but sometimes that can wake a guy up, and he got more action late in the year. So, you know, his 22 number is 899,000. He goes up to 1.014 in 23, and then in 2024, a 1.129 number. The dead money is easy to wipe off the books. It's not terrible. So I think there's a real opportunity uh, one way or the other, if LeCount's terrible, he could be moved off of because the numbers aren't great uh, in terms of what his dead money is. If you follow, you know, you've gone with my theory here of following the money, and then he's also cheap still in terms of the cap number. So to me, it's a little bit fascinating all around, right? Where I think he could go both directions here. So my hunch is he's going to be on this roster till 24. The talent's there. He's going to be just fine. But he has to he has to put it out there this year. We have to see he belongs. We have to see the preseason success. We have to see the uh, rotation snaps that that show that Joe Woods believes in him. So 
I'll be paying very close attention again to Richard LeCount because it's like, okay, if Ronnie Harrison leaves after his deal or you start to meander into John Johnson being done in the next two to three years, you need a guy like Richard LeCount as a rookie, young con, young player, you know, easy contract to manage stepping into that role. That's the natural progression of things. So Richard LeCount, you have my eye. I'd like to see an uptick into the 200, 300 snap range for him this year. We're going to talk about the rest of the safeties listed on the roster right after we take a quick break and a word from our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Every year it seems like there is a player who is at the safety position who, who just is sort of a fringe special teams guy they keep around, like a Javante Moffitt type, um, uh, was it Kennard back in the day? Um, you know, a couple of years back, the past regime, there's always just like, a um, kindred is, I think what his last name was, uh, it's drawn a blank here as we're recording, but there's always a safety at the end that everybody kind of likes, thinks they could be more than, you know, what their actual ability is, find some spot time here and there. And there's three on the roster that have a shot here. The first is Luther Kirk. Second is DeAnthony Bell, a rookie from West Florida. And then Nate Meters, also uh, a young player in his first year out of UCLA. So, listen, I, I I think we need to go through these. So Luther Kirk is a guy who's a little bit of a veteran, originally signed out of, uh, I think he was at Dallas, was when he was an undrafted free agent. And then he's bounced around. He's been on the Cowboys practice squad a couple different times. He ended up signing to Minnesota for the practice squad in 2020. Got to their active roster for just a bit. 
He was waived by them in 2021. The Falcons practice squad late in 21, uh, early November. He got up to their active roster at the turn of the year in 22, and then he was waived by the Falcons, claimed by the Browns. So he's been around a bit, right? He appeared in one career game. He's a team captain junior, senior years at Illinois State. There's not a ton to know about him. I know Dallas people were very into him, liked him. His PFF data in the preseason were, you know, a couple strong performances. Uh, he had uh, a couple tackles, 73 grade. I mean, there's not much to talk about here. We, we got to see these guys. But Kirk at least, at least brings the most around the NFL experience. Now, he only carries a $705,000 cap number if they decide to keep him. No dead money. So he's got a massive uphill battle to make the roster. Sort of feels to me at age 26, just about to be 26 in November. He'll be 26. He is a practice squad type guy, still on the younger side of an NFL career, but uh, it's just a massive uphill battle to make the roster with four safeties that they seem to already have in place. Uh, The next one is Nate Meters. So Meters is out of UCLA, like I said, has been around the league since 2019, although accrued only one season. He was an undrafted free agent by the Vikings, signed to their practice squad, jumped around a little bit up and down from uh, from the Vikings, Jags. He was with the Browns a little bit. He's appeared in two career games, registered two tackles. He played 42 games at UCLA, 30 starts when he was at UCLA in four seasons, 149 tackles, 22 pass deflections. He is um, not, listen, there's just not much to go on here. He's got a really cheap contract that they can get out of, similar number, about that $750,000 for him. DeAnthony Bell, sort of similar situation here for DeAnthony Bell. Not much to know about him. He's really given very little in terms of uh, his UDFA structure as uh, 60,000 dead cap is all that they would carry into this first year. So there's a little bit of things that they like here to give him some money, some bonus, right? But not not very much, not very much. So he'd have to make the roster. He'd be at a cheap, very cheap rookie minimum number. But he's a rookie out of West Florida. Not much out there to know about him. I mean, you can you could talk a little bit about his NCAA experience, um, and, and sort of what he was able to do while he was at, <clears throat> sorry, while he was at West Florida. So, uh, you know, it's tough to even track that pro football focus doesn't even really track a lot of the data from when he was in college. Right. So they have some here. It's not a ton, but you could get, you know, the East West shrine game. He played in that game. He played 11 snaps. There's just not a ton to know. So really these position players that are at the end of the safety room, I don't really have a take one way or the other. I don't think the Browns are going to keep a fifth guy. It's I guess they could, but the likelihood of keeping a fifth guy seems low while their four guys are locked in. And to me, Luther Kirk or Nate Meters anchor what I think will be practice squad players. So uh, DeAnthony Bell has a long way to go to prove at age 25 as a rookie again out of West Florida that he's able to take one of those practice squad, those vital practice squad spots. So, um yeah, that's the safety room, man. We've gone through everything. We've gone through every position. We will actually do special teams tomorrow. Talk about everybody that's going to be a part of the special teams group, in my opinion. So we'll talk about them. And then we will spend some time in the coming week as quarterbacks got in yesterday, along with some rookies got into to training camp. They're going to start trickling in this week. We're on Watson alert watch for what the suspension will be as that announcement could come down at any time. So we will keep our eye out for that and try to let you know of anything we hear at the OBR. And then I'm going to write up a little bit on Josh Rosen tomorrow about just some throws. Listen, just some throws that uh, 
that make you think he could do some things in this offense if he needed to, if he can continue to progress, put it that way. I have no expectation for the guy. I have no real hope that he's going to make it. But uh, if a suspension is lengthy and there's some parts of his game they like, and there are some parts of uh, his game that are fine, you can see an avenue here. But, you you know, I want to highlight some throws I think caught the Browns' eye when they brought quarterbacks in for workouts for camp arms and a potential likely backup if you get a six- to eight-game suspension because Josh Dobbs is he's not very good. And, like, I'm sure the Browns watched him in, in OTAs and minicamp, and they're like, eh, this is... This is rough. So I think that's pretty clearly why they brought in quarterbacks to work out. And I just kind of want to give the indication of why I think they settled on uh, Rosen. So I'll talk to you about that tomorrow in an article and try to give you a little bit of a summary on the next podcast. But again, special teams coming up on your Monday episode, and then we'll dive in with AFC North. Uh, Know your foe situations here. I think that's always important to go around the AFC North and learn as much as we can about those teams. So that's what we will be covering in the coming days. Continue to check out the OBR for great content. Thanks for supporting the website. Thanks for supporting the Twitch. Thank you most of all for supporting this podcast. Thanks, guys. Have a great Sunday, and go Browns!